Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 31 of The Lake Show. We had another unfortunate writer's strike, which gave us another little bit of a hiatus there. But we are back and we are ready to deliver some content here through these tough times. You know, we wanted to give some people something to listen to. And um, I wanted to check in with my main man, Salty. Salty, how are you doing today? Doing good. Good as I can be, I guess, with all the, everything that's been going on lately. But uh, yeah, man, that was one of those writer strikes. Eh? I feel like we've been getting those every couple months here, but uh, good to be back. It's nice. Yeah. And, there, and there's, it's one of those things. There's nothing that we can do about it, right? No, that's it, just it. it. We, yeah. Yeah. That comes down from the ward and we have to just kind of go along with what they say. We you know we're, we're part of the guild. So it happens. Anyways, uh, Salty, uh, really good to be doing one of these again. Uh, the last episode we did was the one we did with Tim McAuliffe our boy from Tim and Sid on Sportsnet. That was really fun. And then um, stuff kind of got crazy pretty quickly after that. Um, Lots was going on. And then obviously everything's been on lockdown. You and I have been unfortunately separated once again. But um, we do have some good stuff to talk about. We've uh, obviously some crazy times we are finding ourselves in currently. Yeah, seriously. um, So where are you right now? Are you back in uh, back home? I am back home. Yeah, I've been for a couple, uh, for about almost two months now, actually. Yeah, I went, uh, I got home once this all kind of started about. So I've been hanging out here and just trying to get some stuff done while I can. And uh, before, you know, if we, hopefully we can get back into to the schools and I can start teaching a little bit, but uh, finishing up a couple bit, little bits of homework here and then uh, fingers crossed, we'll be graduating in a month or so. Absolutely. How about you? Yeah, basically, I've been in North Bay for about a month. I was in. I'm going to live in Stratford, Ontario, this summer Ooh. at my girlfriend's uh, my girlfriend's place there. So I did do a load of moving down there. I drove down there. I spent a couple of days, and then I'm now back up in North Bay, kind of slowly trying to get everything packed up and get ready to move out of here. My lease is up the end of April, and I have an exam on the 17th. So this Friday. Uh-oh. Uh, or I guess no one knows. I shouldn't say like that. But on the on the seventeenth, I have an exam, and then on the twentieth, and then I am all done at Nipissing for good. Wow, are you excited? How, what's the feeling? Bittersweet or? It's weird. I don't know. I don't know what to feel. It's also it, it's also all weird with all this going on. But yeah, you know, I was only doing courses in online, so it was already kind of a weird thing to begin with. Once hockey ended, it was kind of like I felt almost like the year was over. Because, yeah. you know, those online courses, I'm obviously still doing them. I'm doing fine with them. But, you know, they're pretty, uh, I don't know, I wouldn't say they're as engaged as an, you know, in-class session, obviously. So it just doesn't has, hasn't felt like school has been dragging on, you know, like other years. Yeah. So you're kind of the master at this then. You've been doing it for, for quite yeah. some time. You've been doing the online thing for a while, the online exam. So if you got any tips for people listening right now, because I'm sure some of them are probably making their, are doing their first ever online exam. What do you got? Honestly, I don't know. I find like I don't treat it any different than any other course. I usually find um, I just go to the syllabus, whatever the teachers put up in the syllabus. That's what's going on in my studying. And then um, I don't know. I usually I, I, I'm a pretty good uh, like crammer, I'd say, like even at the end of the at the end of like, you know, exams when you need to like, you know, it's crunch time. I'm pretty good at doing one last good review of the whole course pretty quick. Nice. And I find that's usually what I need to get going. But if you've done the work all semester, you should be fine. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, there's but, no excuses, uh, right? Well, there's exactly. You got to treat every team like uh, like it's the other one, right? But yeah. Yeah, I heard you've been doing um, some more traveling. You've been kind yeah. of buzzing around North America. Do you want to speak about that a little bit? <laughs> yeah, no, it was a pretty cool experience and um, something I never talked about on this show yet. But 
obviously I think I touched upon it in, in other episodes that I was looking to once our season with the Lakers hockey was uh, commenced that I was going to look to try and play somewhere in North America, given the opportunity. And I ended up, um, it was literally when we did the Tim McAuliffe interview, I already knew I was going and we, we did the interview with him February 13th, the night of at like seven 30. Right. Yeah. That sounds right. And then, I had just signed like an hour before that. I signed my papers to go down to Birmingham. That's in the Southern League, the Southern Professional Hockey League, which wasn't where I originally was hoping to land. But um, they they called me. The coach called me, and I, about a week after our season ended, our season ended February third. And then I was talking to him, and I was I was looking to go to the East Coast League. And you know, for those who don't know, like the North American hockey picture is kind of like there's obviously the NHL. Then there's the American League below that, which is like the direct farm system to all the um, big clubs. And then there's the East Coast Hockey League, and there's 20, I think there's 24, 26 teams in the East Coast Hockey League. And then there's the Southern League right below that, and there's 10 teams in the Southern League. And then there's the Federal League below that even. But I was in the Southern League. I ended up getting a decent offer from a team. And like I said, it wasn't where I originally wanted to land. I was trying to get in the East Coast League, but... I uh, talked to the coach. He said he wanted a player like me to come down and he thought I had a chance to play some good minutes. And I thought maybe it'd be better than, cause what those leagues are, they go through so many players and that time of year, like that's what they do. They start finding people that are done school right? and uh, looking to, you know, move on to pro. And I didn't want to go to like the East coast league and sign like a three game contract. Cause that's usually what they do. They give you a PTO it's called professional tryout offer. And then, you're on a basically you have a three game leash to show them what you can do basically. Hmm. And I've known numerous guys that have gone down and done that. And, you know, sometimes it works out well and sometimes it doesn't, you know, sometimes you just go down there and get the three games and then you, you come back home. And then, then some guys will go down and, you know, play well with the team and they'll stick. I had a guy, you know, working the phones for me and he thought that this would be a really good opportunity. It sounded something down in the Southern league that I'd be able to play a lot and, you know, just, something more like concrete. So I thought about it and then I, I figured, you know, that was the offer I wanted to take. And I, I went down there. So we did the Tim McAuliffe interview, like I was saying, backtracking. And then the next day, I think I left at like 7 a.m. from North Bay. I drove to Sarnia, spent a night with my aunt and uncle. And then, um, or, and then, no, it would, it would, anyways. So I ended up making the big drive on the, on Valentine's day and went from Sarnia to Alabama Valentine's day. And there was originally supposed to play that night. And the coach was calling me and even like <laughs> pressuring me a bit being like, you think you can get here for game time. And I was kind of like, are you serious? Oh my but, God. Well, how long was the trip? Sorry. How like how many hours? So it was 18 hours from North Bay, but I split it up. So I still had 13 to go. <laughs> 13 hour drive and then hop on the ice with some new gear and just go for it. Yeah. And I hadn't skated since February 3rd, our last game was <laughs> February 14th. And, I don't know anyone that plays sports or hockey or anything like that. You like don't skate for two days in a row mid season. Like you feel like you've never played again before in your life. <laughs> so I'm so in my head, do. like thinking I'm like picturing this. I'm like, this is going to be so bad. So I basically like almost like took an, a long lunch, like to kind of <laughs> spread it out because I was like, I can't play, but that's just how tight they are with like the number of bodies they can carry. Yeah. So that's just the way if I got there in time, they probably would have had to shuffle the lineup a bit and move the roster around. So that's just how it was going to work. But I ended up getting down there middle of a game like they were playing. It It was Friday night and they were playing. So I pulled up and it was the middle of the second period. 
and I met the goalie coach at the Zamboni door and <laughs> went in, watched the rest of the game. I was dressed like a – I didn't wear a suit. I was wearing like a flannel shirt, jeans, and boots. And ended up getting the team – like the Birmingham, the Bulls I was going to, they didn't have a very good night. They lost 8-3 that night. So coach drags me into the room right after <laughs> and just kind of like introduces me and said like, this is Harrison Harper. Uh, he's going to be with us for the rest of the year. And he goes – he played with Mizey's brother this year. So Dev May on the Lakers, his brother played for Birmingham wow. in the Southern. That's crazy how so, small the hockey yeah, life is. It's a small like, world. Yeah. And that was my only connection, really. I didn't know anyone on the team. And that was basically the only rope I guess I had going in. But anyway, so they like, introduced me. And like, I'm just sitting there like, oh, God, like, no one wants to hear this right now. The boys just want to get out of here. Like, it's kind of lit <laughs> yeah. up. And so that I meet my two roommates. And then they give me a key to the house and I follow them to our apartment <laughs> and they ended up being two good guys. They were both my age, like same nice. scenario. A lot of the guys that were in that league were kind of the same scenario as myself, like just leaving uh, university or college in the States. Like, like, so my, both my roommates were 94 birth years, just like I am. Uh, one went to St. Lawrence, played D1. The other played with a good D3 school somewhere in New York. So like, it was a lot of guys kind of around the same like age, a lot of, you know, kind of same life scenario. So it was nice in that stance, but it was pretty crazy. Like, you know, you go down there and I met a whole new team and you could tell like they'd seen so many bodies this year already. So like some guys were like really nice and came right up to you and said, how are you? I wanted to get to know you a bit, but then no fault to some others, but they just weren't that interested because they're like, we don't know how long this guy will be here. We don't know if he'll be here the weekend or if he'll be here for months. So it was kind of a weird feeling out process that way. Like some of the guys were old, not old, but old in the hockey world. Like, I don't know, the captain was about 32, I think. Might have been his sixth <laughs> year in the league. So there were some guys that had been around the block, and it was definitely fun to get down there and be a part of it. The transition was pretty seamless, I found. Like, it was very comparable, like, the level of hockey to CIS. Like, the CIS is very strong. Yeah. So I found, um, you know, it wasn't – the level of play wasn't honestly that different, and that's um, a, a testament to how strong that U Sports is. You know, you can part it with, like, pro hockey – for sure. And, so, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. What's that? No, no. What were you gonna say? I was just gonna ask, like, how? What's the feeling of jumping in on a team mid-season, like for practice and game-wise? Like, how was that to kind of get to know the guys and how they play, like, while they're full, like, speed ahead, basically, right? Because they've been playing for like 20, 25 games. So, how was that? Yeah, it was. It was cool. Like, it was definitely different. And I remember, like, I'd never been. I'd obviously had some experience with meeting new players and new teams. Cause I played on yeah. a lot of different teams in junior and whatnot. And then obviously coming to the Lakers, like I'd been put in a lot of scenarios where I like was new to the environment. So mm-hmm. this was no d- d- like exception in that instance, but I'd never been like traded or anything like that ever. So I never like joined a team mid season like this. So, and well, like at, at this point of the season for sure anyway. And so that was different. I remember like they had a pretty structured, uh, like they ran a pretty structured team so a lot of like face-off plays a lot of uh you know defensive zone work and you know offensive zone stuff like plays they were trying to run at all times so it was a lot to take in right away and but it was fun no it was it was just like it was just really fun going down and playing all these hilarious towns i'd never been to (laughs) and like seeing all these parts of the country while getting to play so it was really fun i had a good time I actually did pretty well. I was actually having a pretty good time down there. Nice. What the, like the coach told me basically when I got down there, he's like, you know, a guy like yourself played five years up, uh, up in Canada, like in the school system, like 
you know, we know you're not like a young guy. We just want to see what you can do. So we basically one weekend just like put me on the power play, let me play That's a awesome. ton. And like, I'm not a power play guy. Anyone who knows me is probably laughing here and then I'm going on the power play. <laughs> But like that's just not the game I usually play. But I got to go on and I was actually playing, moving the puck pretty good. <laughs> in the span funny. of like my first, I've got a couple assists my first couple games. Like one night I had like three helpers. Come um, on. Yeah, I was playing good on the power play. Unfortunately, that streak didn't last much longer than a weekend. But <laughs> I awesome. got a couple points up. Like So, you know, I was only down there for nine games. I was going to get 10 more. The season, yeah, I still had 10 more when they canceled it. They canceled the season March 12th. Of course, the first time I ever try to go down south to play hockey, the global pandemic happens. Naturally. Yeah. Naturally, why wouldn't it happen? But yeah. yeah, so I got nine games in and I was going to get 10 more. So, you know, CIS season's only 28 games. So I was almost yeah. getting like a whole other year in essentially. But, you know, I, I was going to get some games in. That's what I was looking forward to. And unfortunately, that's not going to happen, obviously, being back here. But no, it was fun. It was a good league, and I had a good time. It was a really fun, like, first experience playing, you know, after school. Oh, for sure. So how do they let you guys know that season's canceled? Like, was it a phone call through coach, GM, and then what's, like, the pro the process after that? Because you had a visa and stuff, right? So how does that all kind of go down, and what yeah. happens afterwards? So that – yeah, that's a good question. It was an absolute kind of fiasco, honestly. Yeah. It was, it was really weird, like, where we were at in the States, um, Alabama – in Birmingham, like there was, it didn't seem there was much panic about the coronavirus at the time. And um, I knew people that were back in uh, Canada that were like leaving their offices and like taking their monitors home to go to work. Right. And um, there definitely wasn't any of that going on. So I thought it was odd, but like kind of went, so the NBA canceled, what was that around March 10th, probably. Yeah. So the NBA cancels. And then um, basically the next day, like they everything was canceling. So the league, I was the Southern league, suspended originally on the 12th and they kind of waited to see what these other leagues were going to do. And then once the coast announced that it was canceled and not doing the playoffs, like the Southern league kind of just waits to see what the coast was going to do. And, and gotcha. once that was done, they just decided to cancel the season entirely because <laughs> you know, you can't keep all of us down there and pay us, you know, when we're not playing and stuff. So yeah, fair. it was, uh, yeah, kind of really abrupt. Like we literally were, practicing on a thursday morning and we had a game the next day friday night a back-to-back like it was gonna be a huge like game for to set up like the standings for going into the playoffs and so it's thursday we're playing we're like work on the power play like you know doing four checks like getting ready to play roanoke the next night and then literally an hour after practice i actually got asked to go i went on the news i was on the news i was like Come wearing on. the bulls jersey on the news live <laughs> I told a guy that we had a podcast and like he thought that that Seriously? meant like I was this broadcast guru. Unbelievable. So he, like, yeah. So I was on the news and then like talking about this game we had for St. Patty's Day and we had special jerseys or whatever. And then I come back from that and basically heard that the season got suspended and then the next day it was canceled and I was leaving basically the day after that. It was a pretty wild turnaround. <laughs> wow. Yeah, definitely. Jeez. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so you get home. What's up at home? What do you got? What have you been doing in quarantine? What's the uh, what's the routine? Yeah, well, after I buzzed home, I had to obviously do the lockdown thing. So mm-hmm. I did that for fourteen days. I was strict to it. I didn't go to any stores or anything like that. Um, the only time I left my house was to ride my bike. So that's basically been all I've been doing. Now I've gone home to Stratford for or to Stratford for a couple nights. But I've just been like trying to do a couple in-home workouts because like this is the time of the year I kind of got to start training. So I'm doing yeah, like fair. body weight stuff in the house, which is kind of weird. I forgot how 
how hard it can be to do a bodyweight workout sometimes. Like there are some workouts yeah, out there. There are that some will... ones that you can make like suffice to definitely say you had a good workout at home. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I'm just a little bit worried for myself. Like I was a guy that really liked to get in, like the squat rack. I like to do like a yeah. lifts and, and uh, do that kind of stuff. And, and I've done that for years in the summer. So I feel like at some point I'm going to need something to do that. I don't know what I'm going to do. Cause if this goes mm-hmm. on too much longer, like that's cutting into, training time and speaking of training we have a great announcement actually <laughs> yeah this is actually i can't yeah. believe we didn't even bring this up yet so i know i'll just we'll just go right to it me and salty yeah. have decided uh before we got together for this episode we were thinking that you know we have a couple episodes uh banked up with like interviews we've done in the past so we do have like we have the content to put out a couple more shows. Yeah, basically have a month left of uh, yeah. stuff. So we were thinking a month today. So as we were recording this, hopefully this gets out really soon. As I'm saying this, but it's April 14th as we record this. We're gonna make May 14th will be like for sure the last day that we do this show, which is sad. But that's the way it's gonna go. But we're gonna do. Me and Salty both got a cut. We got to cut some weight. <laughs> I got yeah. hockey coming next year and Salty's got, you know, the possibility of maybe some soccer coming his way. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. If I can get, if I can get this done, we don't know. So we're going to have the biggest loser championship Lake show style <laughs> and it's, it's going to be competitive. It's going to be fierce and there's a lot riding, riding on this championship. So we're going to see who could lose the most LBs from here to next month. Yeah. Next I think, uh, I think this will be fun. We got a month to do it and it's going to be a little bit of motivation. And I mean, I'm sure we'll have a little bit of fun on Instagram and try and keep everybody posted on it. And we'll have some hilarious ways of trying to cut weight, but obviously it'll all be in a healthy way. Uh, but we, yeah, as we, the month goes on, we're going to have to find a way to, to make sure that this is a wager somehow and uh, find out what the losing person has to do with the winning person gets or something like that. But we'll figure that out as we go. And if you have any suggestions, do not hesitate to, to shoot us a message or something like that. I'm sure we'd love to hear your thoughts on yeah, that. Yeah. I'll, I'll I think I weigh like 235 today. So I'll send you my official weight. Yeah, I'll do that. I do yeah. that as well. I'm laughing because as I'm doing this, like I w- Mike McParlin might be listening to the episode. He usually listens. And he's probably <laughs> like, why didn't he play this game? Why didn't he play this game in October? Why didn't he try to lose 20 pounds maybe then? Not now. Sorry, Mike, but it's got to happen sooner or later, right? So I've, I've found out what it's like to, you know, play dragging a piano around the ice for too long. So... <laughs> gonna try lose a couple and see what happened yeah let's see if we can uh if we can have some fun with it and like i said motivate each other because it's gonna be tough to motivate sometimes these days uh when you don't really have that much to do during the day so hopefully kind of kick us into gear and uh, we'll see who wins and it should be fun it should be hilarious too no 100 percent um this is something that's going to be a good motivator and it's gonna be fun for sure and this is a quick story about weight i have to bring this up <laughs> i so i was down there playing and i hadn't played in like or worked out really in like a week and a half and they asked me they asked me they're like how much you weigh and i was like um 230 like i just like confidently said that was 230 i'm like in my head i'm like yeah probably 230 i like (laughs) go i like went and stepped on the scale the next morning they did weigh in every morning every morning yeah so that was tough there's no way to run from it and kicking the yeah (laughs) so i I literally was like one morning i was like 230 like i don't know i must have been like high 230s like that's pretty heavy. And I literally I literally lied. I think I wrote like six pounds lighter on the sheet. <laughs> I did it like multiple days in a row. I started just making it a habit. I was like lying. Hey, I was like if the OUA website said I was 185 pounds, it was a good day. 
Oh, so you, so you like yours when it says you're a little like you're you're big or you're when I started. Yeah, my first year, I was I was like 160, and then I was putting like ah oh, 180 or something like that. You know, I mean, so people thought I was a little a little stiffer. And then as I went through like third and fourth year, I was like, ah, can we can we knock those numbers down? Actually, yeah, it's, <laughs> I know. Isn't it funny how yeah. all of a sudden the tide yeah. turns? You want to be heavier, and then all of a sudden, nah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, I'm getting like, heavier in the wrong If you ways. if you look me up online, like one of those hockey database things, like. It says I'm like 215. <laughs> Just flying. And I see it. I'm like, yes. Like, yes. Those are unbelievable awesome. numbers. Like, let's keep it at that. Like, no one, like, I'm not touching a scale near an official document, like, any point near soon. <laughs> oh, man. Well, yeah. Like I said, we will have fun with this, and uh, hopefully, everybody enjoys it too. And hopefully, it's a distraction for, for some of you out there because I know the days can be kind of, kind of long, but. Um, speaking of distraction, I think this interview has been pretty good. Is was pretty good, and I'm excited for people yeah. to hear it. Ian Campo, that stopped by the campus about what, what would you say two months ago, maybe? Yeah, a little bit, a little, little while ago. But we he yeah. was about to do one of those speaking events at uh, one of the theaters, and we caught him quickly. Asked him a little quick blurb of a question. He ran with it pretty good. He was a pretty interesting yeah. fellow. I almost wish we had the mic on salty when we had the conversation with him before we had the official interview because that was quite interesting as well. Just a very interesting guy. Uh, very well versed in what he was talking about about um, you know Aboriginal language in the area and how it's yeah. applicable to the geography of the region. It was just really cool to hear, and some content that um you're not going to find anywhere else, honestly. So it was pretty cool. I I thought we'd grab him and talk to him quickly. I thought he'd have something worth worth speaking of for people that weren't at the uh, presentation yet. So yeah, let's so just throw it over there. Absolutely. So just to kind of give a quick background before we headed over. So he was, he was a DJ beforehand, co-founder of a tribe called Red. We got yeah. a couple tunes out on iTunes that are pretty sweet, actually, right. uh, that I had heard before interviewing him, which was sweet too. And he's also now, uh, he's focusing on being an indigenous advocate for a lot of people and for what's going on uh, inside our country and in other countries as well. So very interesting guy, like you said, uh, what he's talking about is was eye-opening for sure. And I'm excited for everybody else to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. So without further ado... Yes, here we are, ladies and gentlemen, with Ian Campo as he's doing his roundabout here, speaking to universities, and I just wanted to just welcome you to the Lake Show, welcome you to Nipsey University first and foremost. But basically, what are you doing here? What are you, know, you going around with these speaking tours? What kind of a message are you trying to portray? And just basically, what's your overall goal here? Wow. Uh, <laughs> a question. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have a, I have a lot to answer in that. Um, so basically, like since since getting off the road. I've been on this really, really heavy um, culture and language reclamation, and it's been uh, foundation shattering, like to its core. Like everything I understand is like truth and, and how everything works has been like shaken to its foundation. If I can show you like how powerful this language is, it's actually like it's really, really impressive. Um, so I wanted to learn like uh, something that I could use every day, like uh, I don't know, like I wanted to use it every day. So I, I, I wanted to learn the days of the week and I figured like I can learn seven words and then I can use one of those every day. And uh, so let me show you how they say it here in Nipissing anyways. It's very, very dialect specific. Okay. Um, so Monday is Shkinoki Gijget. Okay. And it's one word and it's really long and there's lots of <laughs> vowels and <laughs> right. stuff. Um, but I'm learning now, like that, that intimidating double vowel system, mm -hmm. that's only been developed since like 1984. Like I'm older than that, that, that style of yeah. writing. Uh, this language was never written down phonetically. It was only spoken, <laughs> right? So when you understand like the relationship of the language, it really breaks down like a lot of 
the hardness that you thought it was because we have a conjugation for a fourth person again because it's supposed to be spoken so in conversation if you're talking about two people you're gonna have to like differentiate who you're talking about so we have like extra conjugations we have uh, two different we's or us's there's a we including you or a we excluding you like we're going skateboarding or we're going skateboarding oh, okay. <laughs> right there's yeah, two yeah. different there's two different we's uh it's neen win and geen win but uh uh sorry so back to the days of the week yeah. i know i'm all over yeah, yeah, shkinoki gizget uh shka means first newer beginning noki means work and gizget means day okay so Shkinoki Gijigat means Monday. Shkinoki Gijigat means first work day. But then I learned that each of those little syllables break down even deeper to give like a deeper explanation of something. So our word for work, no key, uh, no means to develop or grow in a good way. And key means land. So our word for work is develop the land in a good way. And Gijigat, Gijik is, is uh, the sky. And Gijigat is the moving sky. Okay. So that's our word for day. So Shkinoki Gijgat means Monday. Shkinoki Gijgat means first workday. Shkinoki Gijgat means first developing the land in a good way while the sky moves. Okay, then Tuesday's Nij Gijgat. Nij is our number two. So like Bejik, Nij, Niswe, Niwin, Nanin. Like Nij is number two. So it's like second day. Wednesday's Abtause. Abta means half. Abtause means halfway. Okay. Um, Thursdays where things get really interesting. So there's a, there's a, a um, an archaeologist who hangs out with the, the youth here in Nipissing. His name's Ken Swayze. And uh, we were hanging out and he told me the history of, of this place. And he's like, there, there's archaeological proof of your people living on this lake for 13,000 years. Wow. Okay. So that predates Jesus by 11,000 years. So Thursday, Shpingan 1. Uh, it means consecration. Like a shpa means up. Um, the suffix ing, ang, ong, like any of those sounds, it means uh, it's a, a locative marker. It means a place of. So now if you can think of any community, like Nishinaabe community that, that you can think of in Ontario, they all end in that sound. Like Wakwemakong, Wasoxing, Tamiskaming, Nipissing, right? right? And that's, a, that's a locative marker. Uh, so Ishpa is up. Ishping is the place up there. Shpingan wan means to make like the place up there or heavenly. And it means consecration, to, yeah, to consecrate, to make holy or something like that. Nice. Um, Friday, jibetogo gijget. So jibe is the, the ghost of a being, of a person, but it also means uh, uh, the sacredness of a person or the holiness of a person. Uh, tig is a stick. Et tigo is a wooden X or a wooden cross. Gijget uh, day. So jibetogo uh, gijget is holy wooden cross day. Saturday is Mani Gijget. Um, there's no R's in Nishnabemuin, and all of our R's get turned into N's, um, which was crazy because I learned like my, my great grandmother's names were Tenes and Manyan, and it wasn't until I learned this that I was like, oh, their names are Teresa and Marianne. Wow. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so uh, uh, Mani Gijget is Mary's day. Sunday is na meh gijget. Na meh means to pray. Gijget mean, means day. So it's prayer day. So I asked my auntie, obviously these are super Christian terms, right? And what were the names of the days pre-contact? What do you think they were? That's a good question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She said we didn't have that weekly cycle. Yeah. Right? We had, we had the daily cycle, then we had a lunar cycle. Right. Okay. So we didn't have, like, that was, that was it. So we had the 28 days, 13 months, 
and uh, the days were their own things. Each day was to be respected as its own living being. And the names would have been like rainy day or cloudy day or, or snowy day, right? Those Zukpo, Gimwan, like whatever weather it's doing, that's, that's, that's the name of the day. And uh, each day was to be respected as its own living being because it lives its full life cycle. And it's weird that we live in a society where we're able to be like, this Wednesday's dope compared to last Wednesday when they're incomparable as living beings. Yeah. Then you realize we live in a seven-day cycle named after Norse gods to control our time and how we contribute to capitalism. And that's it. There's no other reason why we have the seven-day cycle that we're so attached to. We're like, you, you go on vacation, you stop caring what day it is a day into your vacation because you're not going to work. True. Right? So I learned the days of the week in my language and it shattered my understanding of how time was kept. To the point where something tied to my identity, like my date of birth, is only reinforcing white Christian supremacy. That's how powerful this language is. <laughs> right? Yeah. So then like you start learning like every word is 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 compacted like that. And our ancestors who have been observing all of this for thirteen thousand years scientifically and historically who understand this in an in-depth that like no other language can, simply because they haven't put in the observational time. Every word we have is a note and, and an instruction of how this works. And it's funny because like uh, uh, speaking with people now, they, they start, oh, I'm sorry. Ooh, I don't know what that is. I'm waiting for George to call, but. Um, sorry, what was I saying? I'm so sorry about that. that no, 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 it's all good. Uh, all the different words. Like the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So like uh, people would think we were like, doing magic because they'd be like oh my eye hurts and we'll be like oh here take this and use it and be like how'd you know that oh in our language that means the eye medicine plant you know what i mean like all of our words have, have things like that and their explanations one of my favorite teachings is that there's no definitions only explanations and what that means is that uh, you can have a lot of different explanations for the same thing and it won't define it but it'll explain what it does um so a house cat is gosh gas Okay, gaj gem means to be selfish, and that ace, ons, ons, it means small. Like the same way, like in Tito uh, uh, in Spanish, it means like small. So gaj gans means a selfish little thing, which is a house cat, and a pretty apt description of a house cat. The other description is gosh ke means to scratch. So gosh cans means a little scratchy thing, right? And both of them are apt descriptions. Neither of them are wrong, but neither of them define it. And, and all of our words are super fluid like that. And they give explanations and in-depths that like no other language can because they, they haven't put in the time that we have. My language works like this better than any other language around the Great Lakes. It won't work in Australia. It won't work in Africa. It works here, though, around the Great Lakes in a way that like no other can. Is that because you were saying at the start how it was never written down, so it was always kind of passed on to gen generations? Is that why you think it was kind of kept in this area specifically, or is there? Well, a, this language, you know, this language, uh, it's it's. Or this dialect, sorry. This bad. dialect's very sorry very specific, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the dialect, bro, you, you start learning these things and like, okay, my dialect's very specific, and Wakimakong is, is physically close to where we are, but our dialect is closer to Gitagon Zibi in, in, in by Manawaki, Quebec. Yeah. Um, why right like why i know why because i'm starting to learn my history and we there was a mass migration of the anishinaabeg we used to live out a, on the ocean with the Mi'kmaq, and we call the Mi'kmaq brother actually like we come from the same people and we migrated east or west sorry and uh <laughs> with with all the anishinaabeg and uh um three like we split up and the ones that went south with the, the St. Lawrence River, they became the Odawa, the Potawatomi, and the Ojibwe. 
And the ones that went north with the Ottawa River were the Nipissing, the Algonquin, and the Mississauga. So our dialect is closer with the Algonquin and Gidigonzibi than the Potawatomi in, in, uh, in uh, Wequimacon, which is closer, but because of that break and that migration thousands of years ago, that's why we have different dialects. And I know that now. You know what I mean? And language is so important. Like, you guys, like, live here. You guys live in, like, Ontario, Canada. Where are you from? Calgary. Calgary. Yeah. Ottawa. Yeah. Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Do you know what any of those words mean or what languages they're in? No, but I feel like I should now. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right? It'll yeah. give, uh, I'm telling you, it'll yeah. give you an explanation of what spadina is an Ojibwe word, too. Like, there's there's so much, like, we're immersed in, in, in indigenous language and culture and, like, complete, like, most people are completely oblivious to it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That was awesome. I wish we could so have another full hour. Yeah, that's yeah. unreal. That yeah. was great. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thank thanks you so much. So much no, my, my pleasure. My pleasure. That was cool. Um, a pretty smart and impressive man. I don't think um, enough of us got to that presentation he had, so I think it was nice just to get a couple of words with him and, and you know hear a little bit of what he has to say. Someone that you should definitely keep tabs on. He's pretty interesting. Yeah, it was cool to just hear a different perspective, like completely different perspective. It's off. It's not often you can just like sit down with someone and not have heard a single thing that they've like that they're talking about, right? And just kind of yeah. let your mind go and and kind of get into that zone and see how they're thinking and why and how that all became about. So it was interesting just to see how uh, that perspective came about and and a very interesting man, a very intelligent man too. So that was very cool to have him on. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> cool that we get speakers like that to come through the university and. Something I definitely wish I took more advantage of through my five years here, but there's a lot of cool people that do uh, yeah. do get the chance to speak at our school. So keep your eye on it and then take advantage of it because there's some stuff out there to hear for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So again, we're back here. I w- we were talking um, quickly while we were between these interviews and you were just looking. I was looking at like the last time – pandemic like this affected sports <laughs> and i was reading this this is the stanley cup finals in 1919 it was the montreal canadians against the seattle metropolitans and their previous meeting came in the 1917 cup finals which seattle <laughs> won four games <laughs> speaking but, um, of rivalries <laughs> with the series was tied after five games with one tie, they had a tie in the Stanley Cup final. Um, <laughs> the next game was slated for April first, nineteen nineteen, when the Spanish flu epidemic forced the cancellation of the series. The series was literally tied. The Stanley Cup Finals <laughs> was tied, and they canceled the series. They canceled it. Wow! So, because several players on both sides became sick with the with the epidemic, and it would eventually claim the life of Canadians forward Joe Hall five days later. Canadian manager George Jeez. Kennedy would not recover completely. This was the only time in history when the Stanley Cup was not awarded after the playoffs began. <clears throat> that is absolutely wild. Wow. Yeah, it kind of puts in perspective too, right? Like I think we were mentioning earlier how like people were dying through the season and it was still going on compared to like where we are now in society it's like if one of the players is affected like we'll shut it all down which you know is a good thing to think that we are taking the right precautionaries now but obviously it wasn't the same not all the same was going on back then so very different uh, very different time yeah like just imagine that was happening now like players were dropping off mid-season it says the first hockey death from the influenza pandemic was Ottawa's Hamby Shore in October of 1918. So players on the Ottawa Senators were dropping dead and the season was continuing. Like 
Imagine Jeez, getting the call. Man. Imagine getting the call. Yeah, we got to call someone up because we got guys dying on the roster. Like, that's just insane. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah, I was gonna make. We'll just leave. <laughs> we'll like, just leave not, with it. Oh, crazy. Yeah. It is nuts that a hundred years later, though, the first player to get it in the NHL was still an Ottawa Senator. But like, because I know they've recovered. Like, I'll, I'll say that. But yeah, it, it is very very uh wild situation yeah it's crazy it is definitely yeah. wild i'd just like to point out that the first case in canada <coughs> was on january 15th 2020 and then additional cases occurred gradually from january to late february <coughs> and now i don't even know i'm not even keeping up anymore yeah we were just talking about that it's a <laughs> and we talked about before the interview but man like i am very close to just going off the edge just here yeah like it could be any day where <laughs> you just see an instagram story of me just i don't know man it, it could get it could get pretty crazy just going off your rocker <clears throat> oh yeah 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 to say the least the only thing that's keeping me sane is just knowing that everyone else is going insane with me true so that's true. the only thing i have as a branch to reach out to is that other people's insanity through this time is comforting me <laughs> making me together. feel better so we're all in this together. I'm getting so sick of watching Netflix. Yeah. Do you ever think you'd ever say that? No, but like, I've just, I just don't even want to, I can't even like, reta- I watch a show and it's like 15 minutes and I can't even watch I'm like, I can't retain any more shows. Like, yeah. I've actually started reading a lot. Oh, what yeah, are you I'm not a reader by trade. Not, but I've been reading a lot <laughs> because I'm just, it's just eats up the time pretty good. And yeah, that's true. Yeah. Been absolutely. I've been trying to hit the, hit, hit the bike hard, said that. And then other yep. than that, that breaks up my day perfectly. Come back in. Again, back on the couch, probably. <laughs> yeah, I feel yeah. That couch is uh, all too familiar nowadays. My couch is taking a beating. <laughs> yeah, everybody's going to have to renew the couches, man. I need a new couch after this. Put so many miles on this thing in the last <laughs> month. That and my hair, man. I don't know what I'm going to do with my hair. Like I, I think I tweeted last night. I was like, I feel like it's just been on an awkward stage for literally like the entire month of quarantine. Like I, It's just going bananas. I can't do anything with it. I'm just like, do I just shave it all off? Do I do I keep, let it grow? Like I have no idea what's going to happen here. Like I know there's some people still cutting hair like underground, but I don't want to be that guy. You know what I mean? And underground haircutting scene is still oh, yeah. well. It's, yo, it's bananas right now. I saw a headline from an American news company that said, underground barber dies from taking house patients oh my god he died Jeez. from getting the coronavirus because he was cutting hair underground wow. that's crazy so don't don't stimulate that black market of trade at the moment it's not safe either <laughs> no one safe. is safe nope the virus does not discriminate do you think life goes back to how it was before this all happened? Or do you think we're just like life is going to be different regardless? I don't know. I saw something that was like 72% of citizens say they'll never feel safe at a sporting event the same way again. And I was like, well, 72% of those people probably never came to begin with. <laughs> That's true. Um, I personally, I don't think it'll change my life per se, but yeah, I imagine uh, it's going to be a little different here for a while. Yeah. I don't know. Like it's, it's going to uh, affect my mental capacity somehow just because it's in the back of your head, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be bothered by it. But at the same time, you're always kind of like, it won't be like the actual stuff going on. It'll be more like, oh, I hope this doesn't go back to this. Like, I hope there's no second wave. Like, I don't want to go back to where I was. Like, I don't want to no, restart at zero. That'll I, be I, where my head's at. But I hope they come up with like that. I just hope that science catches up and they, you know, find yeah. a vaccine and treatment mm-hmm. or whatever so that we can just get a handle on it. 
because it's crazy. Yeah, I don't know when when everything's going to go back to normal. We don't know. We don't. Yeah, and it is hard for people. Like I like I'm I'm lucky to be in the position I am. Like it could be a lot worse. And uh, we are lucky though that the university has started a nice. Um, a nice initiative there by the student relief fund, mm-hmm. uh, the student emergency fund, sorry. And it's, they were calling it Lakers lifting up Lakers and uh, great initiative that they're doing. Some amazing people are donating to this for students. Uh, if you haven't heard about it, please take, go take a look. Uh, if you can donate, please do so. If you, if you are looking to apply for it, take a look. Uh, I think it's on Instagram and on their website and everywhere you can find Nipissing university. So kudos to, to the university for doing that. That's very cool. Very, um, it's going to help a lot of people, man, honestly. It's going to help a lot of people that are going through a lot of stuff. So hopefully uh, it helps as many people as possible. Well, yeah, and school's expensive. And this obviously comes at a time when all of us students are not exactly sitting on a pile of money when the, se- yeah. when the school year ends. So That's true. Yeah, the timing is tough. The timing is tough for this to happen. So the emergency fund will assist students with a variety of expenses spanning everything from food, housing, utilities, transportation, clothing, and medical expenses. So it's a great initiative from the university proud to be part of a school where we look after our own so yep. if you need that apply for it and if you have the ability to donate to it let's uh let's just kind of help the community out through this tough time let's be there for each other because it's going to take a lot of people banding together to bounce back from this you know financially emotionally every in every aspect it's going to be crazy like you said life's going to definitely be different yep. after this so kudos to university for starting such an initiative and i was great i was i was very proud when i saw that so if you need yeah, help, absolutely. apply for it. Don't be embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you think? Another mm-hmm. another episode. Uh, I think good that to be was back. good. You know, I hope people enjoyed it. Uh, we're going to have a couple more. I, I've We talked about if this was – if we because we don't really know. We've been very unorganized, as you know. <laughs> and we were thinking about should we just pump out one last finale? But, no, we have a couple interviews we still want to pump out that we think are worth hearing. Yeah. and. We know we did take the time to get them to happen. So we'll make a couple more episodes. We've established that we're going to have a weight loss championship. that's going to end here in a month on May 14th. And we look to make our finale episode around that time. Um, again, I hope that if anyone's listening and knows anyone who um, enjoys the show, enjoys podcasting, me and Salty will not be continuing on with this show after May 14th. So yep. the final countdown is on. It's sad. It's tumultuous times, folks, but we need replacements. So um, if you're up for it, give us a shout and we'll get talking. But apart from that, Salty, I think that's all we need to be said. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, like you said, if you're interested, send us uh, either an email or a DM. I've already had a couple people mess- reach out and message me. So we'll have to talk to people that are interested and see what we can do. But we definitely do want to keep this going. So we'll be... Uh, moving on, but uh, yeah, like you said, we do want to keep this going and keep the Lakers podcast alive. So hopefully, we can find some some people to take it over. But yeah, that was another good interview, good interview, and get a show. So we'll hope to see everybody next week, and hopefully, I'll shed a couple pounds by then. <laughs> Absolutely, we'll be lighter, more sleep. Yeah. All right, <laughs> exactly. talk to you later, folks. See you guys.